Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. I love that almost every song was focused on Jesus. And the message will be also pointing to Jesus. And so I just love that when the songs come with the message like that. So we're going to be in Proverbs today. I want to just make a few comments before we open with prayer. And you'll have uh, in your bulletins, on the back of your bulletins, you can follow along. I've made an outline. There's one little typo that I was my mistake because number two is verses three and four. So if you catch that later. But use that today to kind of follow along and then you can kind of follow uh, what I'm trying to teach here this morning. And in our text today, we'll find that Um, it's a father speaking to a son. And so it comes right out and says, my son. And so I was thinking uh, of fatherly advice that I received. And um, you've probably had fathers and mothers that gave you advice as well. And uh, sometimes good to reflect. uh, As fathers, we want our children to follow the Lord. And so in this context, it was a a son who has come of age. And so whether that's like 18, ready to move out of the house. And, and, um, and I've been, uh, on, as a parent, you know, there's a flip side of it, but as a young man, I was a rebellious person. And so I was the one that didn't heed a lot of the advice that I was given. And so I want to say that right up front. And so um, just the, the many heartaches and the pain that comes with... Uh, in my case, sinful choices that I made. And so uh, for young people, uh, this message is going to be for everybody. Otherwise, I could dismiss everybody but the young people. But, <laughs> but I would just say for the young people here, God's way is the best. And so um, I found that out in my own life the hard way. And I remember my dad had some sayings uh, like uh, he in my rebellious time, he told me the devil was a hard taskmaster. And uh, it was a pretty strong uh, message there. And, uh, but he had other advice like, um, the borrower is a slave to the lender. That's in Proverbs, you know. And I thought, oh, come on, really? A slave, you know, to the bank? And, uh, but truly, if you uh, borrow lots of money. And so there's lots of advice in God's word, uh, practical advice, but... As we see today, uh, our scriptures will point us to trusting in Jesus. And so that's, uh, I'll give you a little just quick background about Proverbs. So Proverbs 1, 7a is not the verse that that we're doing today, but it's kind of a key verse out out of Proverbs. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And so it starts with that. You have to uh, have a reverence and an awe for God and and believe uh, He exists, and he is who he says he is. And then the previous two chapters, we're going to be in chapter 3, the first eight verses, but the previous two chapters in Proverbs, we are told uh, to seek wisdom with the same urgent passion as one uh, looks for treasure. And so I think that's important. Uh, that's, That's our job in a sense that this is where the treasure is. It's in God's Word. And so it it should have an urgency and a passion to it. And so knowledge and wisdom are closely tied together in Proverbs. 
Knowledge tends to focus on the correct understanding of the world and oneself as creatures of the magnificent and loving God. Wisdom is the acquired skill of applying that knowledge rightly or the skill in the art of godly living. So keep that in mind. That's kind of how knowledge and wisdom work in Proverbs. So with that, let's bow our heads in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we come to ask your help. We ask your help to, uh, that your word would be clear and bold and that would speak to us, Lord. And I personally pray for your help that I would uh, be able to make your truth plain. And I pray for your Holy Spirit to apply it to each one as they have need today, Lord. And uh, we know that uh, your word is just what we need. And so I just pray that uh, your Holy Spirit would do that work and uh, that we would uh, also uh, worship you, Jesus, in uh, uh, this scripture today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have on the, I'm just going to use, have the two verses we start with on the slide here, and I'm going to leave that up. And then if you, if you, as you see on the back of your bulletin, we're going to, I'm going to talk about the first two verses and then the second, th- verses three and four, and then the last verses I'm going to group together. And so let's, uh, you can follow along. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. And so right off the bat we see this is a, a loving expression, right? Because it's not like a military where you're given an order, right? It's like my son. So it's, a, it's a, I think, a loving expression from the father to the son wanting him to follow his advice. And so the father commands and instructs he wants the son to follow. Uh, he wants the son to follow, and and these instructions are all from God's word. And then, and here it says not to forget, but it's not like um, an absent-mindedness necessary. Like, oh, I forgot. But it's more like uh, he wants uh, the son to obey. And when I studied this, one of the things that really struck me was that when we talk about obeying, um, there's there's a sense where we can uh, just do it out of duty. But that's not how we as Christians should obey. And it should be a loving devotion. And so whenever you think, see the word obey, think of, uh, of a loving devotion because uh, that's, uh, that's the idea that we want to have and not just a, a duty. And then I wanted to point out that, you know, as we read earlier, that wisdom is something to strive for. But it's also a gift of God. And so as much as we are to use these scriptures and to seek and look for wisdom, it's also a gift of God. So we pray and ask for wisdom. And in the end, um, we can't, uh, if, if God helps us grow in wisdom, we give God the glory for it because it is also a gift. And the main... Uh, in this rest of this text, I want to just uh, spend the time looking at heart because it says, but let your heart keep my commandments. And in the eight verses, heart is mentioned three times. And so I'm going to spend some time talking about our hearts. And so this Greek word heart in this text, uh, the, the closest equivalent English word would be 
um, would be like core personality. And so if you think about your core personality, when we're talking about um, not just doing it an outward action, but to, to really deep down in our hearts to uh, want to uh, obey the Lord. And so uh, the heart, when we talk about core personality, we can especially think of the mind, but also the emotions and the will. But typically, it refers to one's whole inner self. It's not just about obeying outwardly, but it's deep down, it's saying to God, I want what you want. And I think that's uh, kind of captures it, that phrase, because uh, we know from God's word, he wants what's best for us. And so we have to come to a point where we say, I want what you want for me, Lord. All obedience that is acceptable to God starts here. The heart is the first thing that wanders away from God, and it is also the first thing that returns to God. Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Out of the heart flow all the thoughts and words and choices of a person's life. So I think um, we're going to be talking a little bit more about the heart, but during this time, we need to assess where our heart is. And so think of if, if we're just going through the motions, attending church, giving, those kind of things. That's not what we want, but we want to do it out of loving devotions. And Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And how we try to rationalize our sins, how clever we are at doing it, and yet how easily we see through it when somebody else sins. And that's just an example of our heart. We have to be on guard because our heart it deceives us. And that's why we also need God's word. And so we have this old nature, sinful nature that we struggle with even as Christians. But we know that we are in Christ. We have a new nature and we're clothed in Christ's righteousness. John 14, 23, Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him and will come to him and make our home with him. Think about that promise that we have that, that God literally will make his home with us, right? That we can have fellowship with a, with a holy, living God. It's, it's spectacular when you just stop and think about what an amazing promise that is. And then we read in our text here, for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. And all of there's actually three rewards in these eight verses, and this is the first one we see. And so these are general principles that God has given. And so uh, I think we need to think of them as that and not to think of them as... Um, God owes me like he's somehow in debt to, to uh, give me a long life. But generally speaking, when we follow God's commands, uh, we are given length of days. And, and peace that we're talking about is not just length of days because peace, if you have a long life but it's stressful, the whole thing, that's really not what God intends for us, right? He wants peace and then have a long life that's that kind of the life that we're looking for right and so uh, let's move on uh, 
uh, to the next uh, verses. And um, we have here, Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and men. See, there's another, uh, in a sense, reward for following uh, God's word and God's principles. The key here in, this ver- in these two verses is steadfast love and faithfulness. And those words uh, describe God himself. And we, over and over in Scripture, God, these words are the, what describe God. And in Exodus 34, 6, this is when Moses was on the mountain. And this was, is an amazing text because this is God proclaiming this statement about himself. And it reads this way. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. So there we have our words out of our text, and this is who God is. And think about the importance of having both of those aspects. If I'm uh, loving to my wife, but I'm not faithful, that's, that's not right, good, right? And so you have to have both of those things together. It's... Uh, and if I'm just faithful but not loving, that's not right either. And so it takes those two, those two things go together and are very important. What are we counting on about God? We are staking everything on God's being steadfastly loving and faithful to us forever through Christ because he promised to be. And the sage in Proverbs is saying to us, you know that's who God is. He told you so in the Bible. And so we want God to change us. And there's a, there's a danger in uh, the Christian culture, I would say, in our nation, that we want everything to be about us. And we have to fight against that. That's our human nature. And we need to focus on God's glory and for His glory. And so we always want to start out with talking about our Heavenly Father and putting the glory on Him and not just to think about always about having everything revolve around us. So God is who He is so that we can become more like Him. And after all, isn't that what we want to be? A person of steadfast love and faithfulness can be trusted. You have nothing to fear from such a person. You have everything to admire in such a person. God is in that person and he wants to make you more like himself. And as we, as, as we transition into this idea of um, the steadfast love that our Heavenly Father has needs to be in us because we see in our text it says bind them around your neck. And so as we go through our lives, this is who the Christian should look like, right? This is who we should be. And think of the importance of that when you are um, interacting with people who aren't Christians. And uh, also, of course, with Christians, we ought to definitely be this way. But just think of the importance of, of uh, people that don't know the Lord. If they don't see that you are steadfastly loving and faithful, that's, that's not a good witness, and that's how we can witness. And so we have to think about ways that we can display that 
faithfulness and that love to those around us. And that's, um, I believe Jesus was our example of that, but that's how we can uh, reach the lost. And so I think it's just really important for us when we think of reaching out that we remember that it says bind them around your neck. So uh, wear that wherever you go and whoever you interact with. Remember, uh, God, the Father's steadfast love and faithfulness is through His Son, Jesus. And this is uh, an important part of the message, and all the songs pointed to Jesus, and we'll see uh, this part is, is focused on Jesus. And in John fourteen six, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, right? So it's exclusive. There is no other way to have a relationship with God the Father unless we go through Jesus. Jesus is His provision for us. In Acts 4.12, speaking of, this is speaking of Jesus, <clears throat> and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name given among men by which we must be saved. This clearly shows that we should reject all human inventions as a means to approach God. Jesus is the only way to God, and He alone can provide access to God. Jesus is thus able to give eternal life to all those who believe in Him. Jesus' perfect life and death on the cross and resurrection from death is our only hope. And so if anyone here today has not made that step as a believer, we have a, a great promise in 1 John 1.9 that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And this is this, the first step in receiving this gift from the Lord. And we, uh, we just know that as believers, we need to continue to uh, go to the cross and confess our sins. And so we don't want to pretend uh, to the world or to our fellow uh, brothers and sisters that we don't need to do that that's something we need to be open with that we still have sins that we need to go to the Lord with <clears throat> and if we do that we have this beautiful promise in 1 John 1 3b that truly our fellowship is with the Father and his Son Jesus Christ and when we don't confess our sins in a sense we break fellowship and so it's important for this continued fellowship that we need to remember to do that Let's move to uh, our last uh, section. And these verses all fit together. And we read here, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. And so, um, just one thing on that pr promise at the end before we go on. This, this is, I think, it more referring to a spiritual sense of healing. And if you remember David in Psalm 32, he says, For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. So he was describing kind of a spiritual situation where he described it as his bones wasting away. And so I think this promise at the end 
is, is in a sense, uh, in a spiritual sense. So keep that in mind as well, that that's also a reward. And if you've ever, I know that during my rebellious years, because I was raised as a Christian, I felt the weight of that sin and the guilt, and I lived with that, and so I can relate to that. That's uh, not a healthy feeling, in a sense. You feel physically affected by that. And so these, I should say, these verses, of course, are some of the most loved and most familiar verses out of Proverbs, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. And I think often it's uh, because of uh, decisions that we have in our lives, sometimes large decisions and sometimes smaller ones, that we think of this verse. And so... That's what we're going to be talking about, the importance of that. And uh, these verses are saying that our confidence is not some impersonal ethic, but the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Note how it says, trust in the Lord. And so we want to make that clear. And the kind of trust he deserves and demands is wholehearted trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And so I tried to think of a couple examples, and this is, we're going to spend some time thinking about this as believers, whether we are trusting in him wholeheartedly. And there was, in, my, in one of the commentaries I read about a gentleman who was <coughs> checking the ice on a frozen river, and so he was down on all four, all fours, checking the ice very carefully. He was concerned about crossing that river. This was a river in, in back east somewhere, and he heard this clutter and noise from behind and there was a man who was driving a cart with four horses and he just flew right by him across the river and uh and you say wow that's quite something but see this man he knew the river right he knew the ice was thick enough and so this is our example of trust that he 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 knew this that the river was solid because he had been over it many times before and so that's just a, a one example of, of what trust is like. And then you think of a small child. Sometimes we see a, maybe a small child on a kitchen table jumping off into the father's arms, right? And so why would a three-year-old do something that could almost kill them, right, if they fall? But they, they've, they have trust in their father, right? They've jumped off many times before. And they, they know that Father is, is to be trusted. And I think this is where we can make this analogy to, to our Savior, right? And our Father. That we, uh, if we know Him, and this is an important part, that we need to know Him. Because if you are a new believer and have never been a, uh, understand God's Word, you need to know who this uh, Father is. You need to know all these promises in His Word. And so this is a big part of trust is that if, unless you know uh, who our God is, it's hard to fully trust Him through all the challenges in life. And this uh, Hebrew word trust means to throw oneself down in complete reliance. Trust in God, and this is where I just would encourage people uh, uh, with all your sins, all uh, our failure, all our fears, we stake everything on the promises of God. If God fails us, we are damned. If God comes through, we are saved forever. 
Real trust is that blunt and daring and simple. So I am calling on you today to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ with everything that shames you and terrifies you and holds you back. Let your full weight down on him. He will never fail anyone who trusts him radically. And so this will, uh, I'm going to have uh, three kind of di- diagnostic uh, ways of looking at uh, if you're wholeheartedly trusting the Lord today. And I thought this was challenging for me personally to reflect on uh, whether I'm really fully trusting the Lord. So uh, I think we'll learn, we'll learn a lot about trust in these uh, three diagnostic uh, questions here. And so the first one is, do you let the Bible overrule your thinking? Okay, so sometimes we go to the Bible trying to um, uh, affirm what we already have in our minds. And so we just kind of want the Bible to say, yes, you're on the right track or I agree with John. But we shouldn't go to the Bible like that. We should we should let the Bible overrule our thinking. Right. And so that's we have to be ready for that because that can be scary at times because we sometimes have, we're talking about leaning on our own understanding, right? So we're pretty sure this is the right thing for us. And then we go to Scripture, and, and it may, if it says something different, are we going to bend the knee to that? Or are we going to just keep going with our own way? And I think that's where God's Word can be challenging to us. And so, uh, if we tr- if, but if you trust in the Lord, you will let the Bible challenge your most cherished thoughts and feelings, okay? So just be ready for that, and as you look for direction from God's Word, to uh, make sure that it's God's way has priority over your way. The second one that we can look at is, uh, do you believe someone somewhere without Jesus will still go to heaven? Um, do, you real, do people really need Jesus to have peace with God? Or is it okay with God if they're just sincere, well-meaning people? And when I first heard this one, it kind of grabbed my attention. But if, if we believe what we read earlier, that Jesus is the only way, how can we uh, believe that and then, and then have this kind of um, not a strong... Uh, Uh, understanding of where people are at in the world if they don't have Jesus right and so in a sense this is showing us to not have full confidence in Jesus if you start thinking that other people just because they're sincere or they're they they seem like they're doing good works and they're good people that they're going to go to heaven so this in a sense helps us to see our own view of Jesus is he your only hope in this life and the next. And then the last, the third one I have here is, when was the last time you took a risk to obey Jesus? And this is another um, important test of wholehearted trust because if you're not willing to take risk for your relationship with the Lord, it says something about your trust level. And I'll just say, you know, I felt that I want to grow more in, in, in trusting too. So it doesn't mean that, you know, we all should have perfect trust. And so just take it as a, a challenge to grow more in trust. And I thought of some examples, um, even uh, 
baptism that's coming up here. And I know uh, Bob uh, Flick there is stepping up to be baptized, but I know that it, it feels risky sometimes, right, to get in front of people and to share something you've written down about your relationship with the Lord, right? And so sometimes, in a sense, that's taking a step of faith. It's taking a step of risk because we know that God's Word says that we are to be baptized, believers' baptism. And so I would just encourage you, any others that haven't been baptized, there's an opportunity there. But I thought of some other examples. I remember uh, my wife and I have been married for uh, 30 years in June. I praise the Lord for that. But I remember being in premarital counseling and uh, Tom Randall was uh, the counselor. Some of you know him. And, uh, and so I knew this man. I trusted this man. But I, but I felt like I was putting my, I was vulnerable. If this man said, in this, in this part of the Bible, it says you should not get married because of something that's going on in your life. Or maybe wait, don't get married for a year or two. I felt vulnerable because I wanted to get married. And I loved Ruth. And so I just use that as an example of, but I was willing. If, that, if he had told me, you know, that it says in God's word because of whatever, you shouldn't get married. I, I was ready to go there. But that's just another example. I thought of, um, you know, an, a, another example could be if you're looking for a job and so you have two opportunities for a job, right? Uh, one has, you know, pays a lot, but you can't hardly ever make it to church on Sunday, right? And the other job pays less, but you can attend church. And then we just have to think of, well, what scripture would apply? And I was thinking of the scripture, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and he will add all other things, right? He'll take care of all your other needs. So, so we have to think, and it takes a little work to think of whether the decision is big like a job or getting married or whether it's smaller decisions, we need to go to God's word. And I think I wanted to put it out there. If, if you, anybody needs help, maybe at some point you'd say, hey, I've got this big decision. What do you think? Can you help me find some scriptures that would help me, guide me in this decision? I think that's what, you know, as elders and pastor and even fellow believers can help you find, find scriptures that will help you make a decision. And another risk is socially. And I remember uh, an example when I quit drinking and, and wanted to change my life. Uh, I had to uh, change my friends. And so I remember one time going to a party drinking Coke because, you know, well, you maybe had rum in there, so nobody would really know you weren't drinking, right? So, and, you know, beer is a little ob more obvious. But I remember feeling, oh, I felt out of place. And so I really, I, 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 had, I let all those friends go because I, ha I knew that I wanted to go a different direction with the Lord. And so, but God provided me, uh, you know, other friends. And so I had to trust him in that. But that's another example. If, uh, if you are in a social setting that is um, affecting your spiritual walk, that might be a risk that you have to take. Verse 6 um, we, it reads, In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. And I'll just say on making your paths straight, Scripture talks about crooked paths or sinful, right? Sinful ways. So 
when it talks about straight paths, that's what we want to be on the straight path. So that's when uh, we see that in God's Word. This verse contains a great promise. The promise is that when we stop relying on our own judgment and our own ways and instead rely on God, acknowledging Him by bringing Him into our decisions, He will direct us. So just like we said earlier, we acknowledge Him by, by everything we do. We bring in what He says in His Word, right? And even, even uh, sometimes I give tours you know, in our business, but I, I always want to make sure I acknowledge and give honor to Him. So that's another way we bring Him in, right? Is that we don't uh, pretend that we did something all on our own. But we want to always bring God into the picture. And that's a good witness as well. And um, when we have a decision to make, large or small, we should not look for God to give direct revelation about the decision or the way we should go. Beyond that which we read in the Bible, God directs through prayer, study, and the application of biblical truth to the circumstance. God will also work things out so that the decision we make will be the right one. God will not make the decision for us, but there are ways that in His providence He will bring about His will for us in the decision we make. And the challenging thing that when I studied this, that the, one of the commentaries spoke so strongly on this, and he said, we shouldn't say in a sense, well, I felt prompted or I feel, I, I feel like God told me to do this. And, and think about the danger of that. We just read about the heart is deceitful, right? And so sometimes I, I, I heard a story about a man who was married and had a, had a lovely wife, and they were both believers. But he, he sensed, he, he had a, a prompting or a, a, that God directed him to another woman. And we know from God's word that's absolutely uh, false, right? That can't be. But, but here's the, you can see the danger when you start relying on, on just uh, that God will direct me like through a direct revelation or prompting. And the commentary that I read said that it never happens. And I, I, I thought to myself, you know, God is free to do what he wants to do. But I think uh, we should think of it as, as rare. And, and what kind of convinced me to this is, is if God was in the habit of always giving direct promptings or feelings about decisions we had to make, why would he give us this word, right? It would make the word almost obsolete because he would just direct us directly. And we, we didn't have to look in the word for, the, for. And so I think that that was uh, just really struck me that w- knowing that our heart is deceitful and that we can't convince ourselves that we're right in things. And so I think that this just really be on your guard to always look to God's word. This is the way we this is the 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 way we can trust God will never direct us in a way that's contrary to his word. We know that for sure. And, and this is how I believe God works, is through his word. And so um, don't try to just, so to speak, get the answer directly uh, from a feeling, but look to his word. And, and sometimes others can help with that in, in pointing uh, to squ- uh, scripture that would apply. 
And then it's uh, in verse 7, it kind of goes back, and this is why I grouped all these verses together. It goes back to the same thing. Do not be wise in your own eyes. It's like he's saying the same thing, right? Do not lean on, on your own understanding. Do not be wise in your own eyes. And uh, I think he's repeating this over and over because that's a danger. That's a danger for us. It's our human nature. We some, somehow think we can figure it out on our own without relying on the Scripture. So uh, note the connection with the preceding verse. The one who is wise in his own eyes is the one who leans upon his own understanding. We are called to recognize that wisdom does not come from within, but from without, from God. And I thought, that's an important point. But if, as a believer, if we have God living in us, that we can say, yes, it is from within, but through his word. And so let's always be sure that we're um, being led through his word. Proverbs 2, 6. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth. Uh, excuse me. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Proverbs 26, 12 says, Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Boy, those are strong words. Those are like, wow, that's a, that's a hard-hitting uh, verse there. The opposite of being wise in one's own eyes is fearing the Lord. When we set God on His throne, high and exalted, and reverence Him appropriately, we will turn away from evil. And so, um, just in, in closing remarks, I want to bring it back to Jesus. Um, Trust in the Lord, right? Trust in Jesus with all your heart. And we have, uh, for anyone who has never made a decision to follow Jesus, we have John 3.16 is the verse that we're all familiar with. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. That idea of perishing should um, scare us a little bit if we're if we've never made that decision because we know what perishing means right it's uh, it's spending eternity in hell but we are offered a gift it says in romans 3:23 that uh, for the wages of sin is death but the free gift of god is eternal life in christ jesus our lord and so for those of you who have never made that step, today can be the day of salvation. So I want to point that out. And uh, for the believer, and this is kind of what happened to me this week, and my brother was, uh, I was getting milk from the barn, and my brother works mostly on the dairy, and, and I was singing this song, it just popped in my head, uh, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word," right? And... Uh, it was funny because in the morning when he saw me, I was singing it, and later in the day I was singing it, and and uh, it was it just captured this this um, idea of as believers we need to trust in Jesus, right? And the end of that chorus says, um, um, "Give us, give me grace to trust Him more," right? And I think for us believers, we want to be wholeheartedly trusting Him, right? Isn't that what we all want? We know that's where our true satisfaction is, is when we wholeheartedly trust in Jesus. And so for believers, we need to ask him, give me grace to trust you more, right? And I was thinking, uh, 
you know, in the situation in a family, in a church family, we have Sharon just recently uh, lost Craig, and we have Sharon up here who lost uh, Merv. And so we see that uh, different trials in lives, in our lives, we, we have to trust him through those trials. And others who have uh, health and physical challenges as they've grown older, and so we have to trust him in that, right? And others have uh, challenges in relationships, right? And so we need to uh, be able to wholeheartedly trust him and, and just go to his word. I was thinking for those who are grieving the loss, you know, of a loved one, uh, God says, I will never leave you or forsake you, right? Sharon, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's the comfort we need, right? When our whole world is shaken. And so just remember that. And, and even in relationships when things are, are uh, really tough, just remember that he is on our side. And we're going to close in a minute and sing that song. But let's bow our heads in prayer. And uh, Lord, we just uh, thank you for your word. We thank you that it was your design uh, through the legitimate means of uh, prayer and the study of your word that we can be directed by you and that we can trust in you. Lord, I just pray for us today that if there's anyone here who has never uh, made that decision to follow Jesus and to confess their sins, I pray that for them today that they would make that decision and I pray that they would tell someone, whether it's their parents or someone, a friend, so that they can uh, have a witness and someone who can encourage them. And Lord, for those of us who are believers, Lord, help us to trust you more. Help us to uh, encourage others who are going through hard times to trust you more. Help us to point them to the promises in your word, Lord, so that uh, they can be encouraged and strengthened by your word. Lord, be with us now as we sing this last song. And we give you all the glory, Jesus. We worship you and you alone, our God. And we thank you for what you've done for us on the cross. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.